0: and praise and glory this morning oh I love you Jesus I bless your holy name my Lord God we need your mighty spirit to touch our hearts oh Lord I'm looking to you and I'm thanking you holy God I praise you holy King everybody said amen all right if you have a Bible Turn to the book of Acts, fifth book of the New Testament, book of Acts, chapter 16. Thank you, dear God. All right, Acts chapter 16. And let's begin with verse 25, Some things are hard to break into, so let's back up a little bit. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately, all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling, And fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And thy house. Everybody said, Praise the Lord. While you're looking in the book with me, turn a little bit forward to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. So he prepared an ark to the saving of his house. I'd like to work on saving your house. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. In our day and age in which we live, anything that has to do with truth, with righteousness, is under attack. That's really not anything new, but I would say that there's an escalation, even to the point to where it will eventually be great tribulation and uh, great hard times great adversity, great persecution. And as we see the attack and the onslaught, one of the things that's been and is continually greatly under attack is the family, the house. Not talking about just like here, this is the church house. That's a physical building when we say it that way. But when we say the church, we're talking about the body of Christ. And so there are times in usage. Uh, I told them on the radio this morning that we have four languages for you. We have Creole, and we have French, and we have Spanish. And I said, we have a little, Spanish, a little English. We, we struggle with that, but we're, we will bring you some English. And so um, I'm saying to you that in the English language, It depends on the context and uh, sometimes it can be a direct reference to a physical building when it talks about the house. Uh, Paint the house, look at the color of the house, fix the house, that's talking about the physical building. But there are times in usage when it's referring to the mother and father and children or the mother and the children or the father and the children. So uh, in the sense, that it's used here in the 16th chapter of Acts, you find that Paul is asked the question, what must I do to be saved? And he tells this man, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house, and thy house. He wasn't talking about the physical plant, was he? He wasn't talking about mortar or boards, and paint and nails not at all it was talking about the the family the family unit and you know the enemy hates the family unit he hates the order that god set up in 1st corinthians 11 he hates everything about god's word and what god has said. and he has uh, i don't know just about from the beginning of it all he has set himself against the things of God. And that's why he found himself thrust out of heaven and why Jesus said he beheld him as he fell to earth like lightning. And so he came to earth and he set in like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Then he is going to rise up, according to Daniel, through the Antichrist, And he's going to think to change things. And anything, as I said, that is of God, any law, any teaching, and shall we say, the family, the house, he's against that. He wants to destroy that. He wants to come between husbands and wives. He wants to come between children and parents. He wants to set out to destroy the family unit. And um, here a question is asked by a man, and he's told, not only will you be saved, but your house. This will go beyond you. It will reach to others here in your family. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord. So they broke it on down, (laughs) uh, what it meant to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and to be saved. Some people want to take that phrase and they want to call that salvation. All I need to do is say I believe. So, but it's you got to get down to what you're believing. Okay? The scripture is teaching you how to believe. It's not generic. It's not any anything you want to throw out there. And uh, it's the, the scripture guides us. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And it's profitable. It's gonna teach us, it's gonna correct us, it's gonna reprove us. And, uh, you know, we, we've got to watch in this day and hour in which we are living. Forget about back yonder, okay, because that's history. We can learn from it. We can draw from it if we will because, of course, history teaches us that nobody learns anything from history, but maybe we can be a little bit different. Maybe we can can pick up a few pointers, and uh, we also got to be careful We we're, we're going to Lift up our eyes and look to the future, but we can't ignore the here and the now, for either the past or the future. We've got to we've got to deal with where we're at. Very important that we wake up to righteousness right now. And as the scripture is teaching us, that um, the writer here is interested in the house. He's he's telling this man I want you to broaden your vision I'm going to tell you what you must do to be saved but it's not it's not going to just be for you it's gonna be for your whole house it's going to be for everybody under the roof if you please and uh, I want to I want you to get a burden for your house get a burden now I want you to take what I'm saying to you in balance please I'm trying to be uh, we have couples. And and you have children, and I want you to, uh, and some of you are grandparents and uh, maybe even great-grandparents, and I want you to, uh, in balance, have a burden for your family. I certainly do. A burden has to start somewhere. And uh, so you begin to pray, and you begin to ask God to help you and help your family, help your house. And um, to, because the Bible teaches here in the 11th chapter of Hebrews, which is the faith hall of fame. It's the only hall of fame I care anything about. I'm not interested in the drag strip hall of fame where they drove vehicles real fast. I'm not interested in the different sports and their halls of fame. Not interested in that at all. I'm interested in the faith. Hall of Fame. Uh, I'm not interested in uh, names that can be called out historically uh, that ex- excelled in their field. I'm uh, Particularly of sports, I guess. I'm interested in the catalog of those that are in the 11th chapter and even to the point that he said time would fail to begin to tell about, and he named a few more real quick, but he didn't elaborate upon them. But he did give us a good glimpse into Noah and how that Noah's actions and faith and belief, and I said actions because some people think that believing, you know, is just passive. Believing is active. Believing is doing. Believing is getting up and getting with it. Believing is Jesus, telling a a woman, and I saw one the other day, getting in her car, and the poor thing was all bent over at her waist until she was like that. And uh, pretty much 90%, a right angle. And um, I saw a man one time that uh, when he sat at the table, his face was almost on the top of the table. He was so bent over. And the Bible talked about this woman whose head was down where her feet were. So I would assume she exceeded uh, the right angle and that she was past 90%. And, uh, And yet Jesus called her to him. I'm going to give you an example. Under extreme conditions. How about it, Sal? Let's get that knee going. Under extreme conditions, this woman made her way to Jesus. Okay, what about an effort? Let's talk about faith. Talk about believing. It's not pass up. Not sit around and suck your thumb. Get your little security blanket or your video or your games. Talk about action here. Talk about faith. Talk about believing. Talk about getting with it. Pushing yourself. Oh, yeah. The little woman didn't make any excuse. friend. she made her way to Jesus Christ. She proved to him. She proved to him that she was believing in his overture and what he was saying and what he was beckoning her to come and get. Man, you're talking about how bad do you want it? Well, oh boy, it, it was not, and I've, I've illustrated, I've had l- young children that can still bend over and touch their toes <laughs> and grab their ankles. And I've often told how that when I was in college and I was taking uh, aerospace and I had to get a special medical examination for flying an airplane, and you couldn't just get a regular medical. And uh, so I went to this doctor, and he and his wife were, a team, and uh, in a different exam that he was doing, at some point, he just said, uh, bend down, touch your toes. And I, I said, and he was on one side, and she was on the other. I'm in the middle, and I said, what? And he said, bend down, touch your toes. And I popped down, and I touched the floor and came back up. I wouldn't want to do that today. I would not want to attempt to do that today. I believe I would cripple myself. And I'm not kidding. (laughs) I am not kidding. Well, I'm saying to you that this woman was bent all the way over. And what an effort she put forth. Things that, there are things that, you know, we don't give any thought to. It's just easy, you know. But this wasn't easy for this woman. This required effort, and she meant business. I want what you've got, Lord, and I'm even willing to make, and the Bible uses the term spectacle. I'm even willing to make a spectacle of myself. I know that people look at me, my head down where my feet are, and I'm, I got more in common with the ants than I got with people. I'm living down here, I guess she could have given a lot of, which one is it, Manny or Petty down there, Petty isn't it, yeah, Petty, I guess she could have given a lot of Petties, huh, she was already down there, and uh, friends she made her way to Jesus Christ, she made her way, I wish people would get more of a, a biblical insight to what it means to believe, to what it means to believe. Believe on me as the scripture hath said. So they, the Bible said here in the 16th chapter of Acts, after having said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt, future, be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. They begin to expound the way of God unto him like Aquila and Priscilla did, To Apollos, they begin to expound unto him the way of God more perfectly or more completely. What does it mean to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? It means to repent of your sins. It means to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And it means to receive the free gift of the Holy Ghost. And then that will, that saves you. That delivers you from sin and from the devil himself. And then you got to go on with this. You've got to keep on believing. And in so doing, you can stay saved. And you can keep your house saved. Okay? Don't take effort. Gonna take effort to keep the devil out of your house. Oh yeah, gonna take effort. It's going to take effort. You're reading the Book of Acts, where Paul, being on that ship, heading to Rome, and he warned them that the voyage was going to be with damage and hurt, and they didn't believe him. They did not believe what he said. Now, we've got to fight against spirits of unbelief, church family. At the root of all sin is unbelief. We've got to fight against unbelief. Many times, the pastor will tell you things, and you're going to struggle to believe what you're being told. Sometimes you'll just believe it, no problem. But other times, because you can't see it or you can't envision it, or you have an ulterior motive, you're kind of operating in the flesh and there's something you want to do, and so you struggle with believing. You try to fight it off. You're actually fighting against faith. But you know the Bible teaches that Noah was moved. Faith moved him. Faith in God's word. Faith in what God said got him into action. He sprang into action. And he caused him to prepare an ark to to fulfill the plan of God. You know the ark is a type of the church, the body of Christ. And you've got to one place talked about a man and his family, how they joined hard to the church. You don't want to do this lightly. You don't want to do this anything less than wholeheartedly. We had a lot hard trouble with that word for a while. We finally got it. Got it. Now we got it. Wholeheartedly. With your whole heart. Your complete heart. That you're not going to let there be fallow ground, ground which is that part of your heart that you reserve and I'm not going to let the word of God get near that. I'm not going to let the preacher get near that. I'm going to hide that. Okay. I'm not going to pray about that. I'm not going to I'm not going to bring that truthfully to the Lord and say, struggling with this or struggling with that or having difficulty over this or that. No, you bring it to the Lord in prayer. You enter that closet. You talk to God. You're at What you're asking is for him to give you faith to take care of this thing, to defeat this, this enemy that's come to mess up your house. Brother, he wants in there. He wants your children. He wants to, to get in there, and, and you know, if you you read um, the book of Joshua, I'm at the, I'm I'm just finishing it. I mean, I'm, I, I believe I'm actually in the last chapter and dealing with the last verses. And you know, something that we are very fond of in that chapter 24, I'll read to you in a moment. But how that Joshua. He gathered all the tribes and all the elders and all their heads and their judges and their officers and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said unto the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time. And he named some of them like the father of Abraham. And he said they served other gods. But he said, I took your father Abraham the other side the flood and led him throughout all the land of Canaan and I multiplied his seed and gave him Isaac I gave him that boy and I give unto and I gave unto Isaac Jacob and Esau and I gave unto Esau Mount Seir to possess it but Jacob and his children went down into Egypt and he said I sent Moses also and Aaron and I plagued Egypt according to that which I did among them. And afterward, I brought you out. And I brought your fathers out of Egypt. And you came unto the sea. And the Egyptians pursued after your fathers with chariots and horsemen unto the Red Sea. And when this is Joshua recounting historically what had taken place. And when they cried unto the Lord, He put darkness between you and the Egyptians, and brought the sea upon them, and covered them. And your eyes have seen what I have done in Egypt, and ye dwelt in the wilderness a long season. And I brought you into the land of the Amorites, which dwelt on the other side Jordan, and they fought with you, and I gave them into your hand, that ye might possess their land, and I destroyed them from before you. Do not underestimate how you got here, what all the Lord did, what battles were fought, what devils were casted out, what great victory the Lord gave. Don't let that go over your head. Don't let that slip. Didn't it say, let's at any time the word of God should slip. We don't want this to get away from us. We don't want to have a uh, faulty memory, to memoria. You don't want that to happen. You want to call to remembrance. And that's what he's doing with them here. Joshua's time of departure is upon him. And he's already seen Moses go. And I'm sure that life went by quickly for Joshua. Now he's Approaching 110 years old. And he's telling them, he's recounting to them. He's taking a page out of Moses' book, really. He's doing what Moses did. And he's recounting to them the history of all that God did. And in so doing, in so doing, he said, Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose and warred against you and sent and called Balaam, the son of Boor to curse you. But I would not hearken unto Balaam. Therefore he blessed you still. So I delivered you out of his hand. And you went over Jordan and came unto Jericho. And the men of Jericho fought against you. The Amorites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Hittites Hittites, and the Jebusites, and I delivered them into your hand, my God, all the ites. (laughs) And I sent the hornet before you, which drave them out, or drove them out, in other words, we would say, from before you, even the two kings of the Amorites, but not with thy sword nor with thy bow. And I have given you a land for which you did not labor, and cities which you built not, and you dwelt in them. Of the vineyard and the olive yards which ye planted not do you eat and here's that verse that we're so fond of verse 14 now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord and if it seem evil Unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose lands you dwell. But as for me and my house, as for me and my house, everybody said, "My my house. He said, as the head of the house, Joshua said, we will serve the Lord. We will serve. The Lord. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. You need to know how that translates into today, 2014, almost 2015. How does it, what is he saying? You know. I mean, most of us aren't uh, over here. This is a, a stone flower arrangement, and and uh, it's deceptive because it, it you might think it's nothing, but it's actually very heavy. It really is stone. It's not plastic. It's not faux. It's it's stone. It's heavy, and uh, I don't see any of us wanting to bow down to that. And, this is my God, you know. So you have, to, you have to come up into the time in which we live, all right? And I already told you, I'm not at the least bit interested. I can read, peruse a thing, keep it shallow, but I'm not interested in bowing down at the altar of the halls of fame of this world. I'm not interested in the celebrities of this world. I'm not interested in, in trying to keep up with Hollywood and what's going on. not interested in that at all. I It's not about where they're going and what they're doing that I want to have my attention. And he said here that the people said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord. I'm talking to you about saving your house. Saving your house. And it I remember Sister Ann, she was all about talking to me about her husband and her sons and all these different ones. And I finally I said, Ann, I said, it starts with you. I said, you come in the church. You repent of your sins. We will baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ and God will give you the Holy Ghost. And then, then you can begin to reach out to the the rest of your house and you can live a life before them. They can see the good change that God's going to make in you. And that's what happens. And that's what needs to happen with all of us. He said, for the Lord our God, he it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt. That's a type of the world God brings us. He delivers us from the world. He delivers us from sin. He delivers us from chasing after the gods of our generation. You've got the football god, and you've got the soap opera god, and you've got all kinds of gods. People, Hollywood makes gods out of these things. They got it down to a science, and it's all designed to make money. Get you caught up in their cycle. You know, seasons. And they've got the seasons. One one season doesn't end and another one begins. They overlap. They bleed them together so there's no downtime. They want to keep your heart and your mind continually involved and caught up and preoccupied, chasing after what they're doing, pursuing after what they're doing. And that's what he said about pursuing other gods. We don't want to do that. We want to fight that off because God has delivered us. God has saved us. God has shown us the truth. He has allowed us, he's, He's given us the understanding of what it means to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? It means to repent. It means to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. It means to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It means then, now that you're saved, to stay saved. You got out of the boiling pot of fire and brimstone, if you please, and you got to stay out of it. You know, you get delivered from drugs, you want to stay delivered from drugs. You get saved from it, you want to stay saved from it. And whatever other thing you want to name, that God delivers us from. From all the gods of this world, things that people pursue, things that people chase after. There were there were ten lepers, sinners, means they didn't they didn't have the truth yet. And they came to Jesus and Jesus told them what to do. Basically he sent them to the church house. Sent them to the preacher. And while they were going, they looked down, they realized that they were, it became very obvious that there'd been a change in them. Man, my, my sin is gone. My cancer is gone. My flesh is not being eaten away anymore. My nose is restored. My ear is restored. And uh, man, the the nine suddenly became Olympic sprinters. They were gone. They were out of here. But one, one said, I'm not going nowhere doing nothing until I go back and say thank you. I'm heading, I'm heading back to Jesus. I'm heading back to the source. And so he did. And in coming to Jesus and worshiping him, coming and worshiping him, you are my God. I've come to worship you. I've come to say thank you. I've come to praise you. You have done miraculous in my life. No one else could do. The doctors gave up on me. The, the medicine couldn't do it. All the homemade remedies. You know, none, nobody, nothing could do it. But you did it. You did it. And I want to tell you thank you. And uh, the Lord even asked, he said, hey, weren't there 10 of you? Where's the nine? Yeah. Yeah, you know, they, they were hearing what, um, what Aaron said to the children of Israel coming out of Egypt when the golden calf, these be thy gods, really, you and I, come on church family, you and I have got to let everybody know that's not my God. Gold is not my God. Remember, it's not money that's the root of all evil. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. Okay? And all the things that people want to get that money to do and pursue and chase after. I get right down close to home. The Miami Heat, not my God. The Miami Dolphins, not my God. Have A man over has a business over in Wellington. And his son, he's had his son involved with the Marlins since the boy was like 11 years old. And now he's up in his mid-20s, and he's still with them. I guess he's the world's oldest living bat boy. And, uh, you know, I'm saying to you, though, that's not my God. Not my God. I remember when I came into church. God delivered me. God filled me with the Holy Ghost and saved me. And uh, there were things that were very high on my list of priorities that suddenly fell. They just fell away. I didn't care anything more about, I was from New York, I didn't care anything about the New York Yankees anymore or or the Mets. And both of those stadiums were near me. And I'd been to them. I didn't care anything more about Madison Square Garden. Didn't care about those things that had been so big in my life before. Didn't care about them anymore. Because I found my God. I found out that his name is Jesus. Not generic Jesus. Very specific Jesus. Exact Jesus. Real Jesus. Okay? Real Jesus. Real Jesus. I didn't have to run to the different places anymore. I didn't have to join the nine and go all chasing and pursuing ambitions didn't have to do that anymore. Didn't have to do that anymore. Didn't have to wander anymore. And didn't have to wonder anymore. Didn't have to go in circles. That was for the people that, that was for the nine. That was for the ones that had turned back after God had delivered them out of Egypt, out of the world, and had was bringing them into the church. It's a process of coming into the body of Christ, the church, the body of Christ. It's a process. You begin to repent. You know, when we repent, this thing's got to boil out. We got a lot of junk in us. Got to boil out. There's things in us that's no good that we're not even aware of. I, I, when I got uh, a little sick, I, uh, I found out that I, those taste buds are a little more important than I thought they were. All of a sudden them things shut down. And I didn't like anything, I didn't want anything. And after the Lord healed me, He gradually restored that and restored some weight. Lately I got a crave for titchi rolls. I don't know why. I guess the titchi roll bud in there woke up. <laughs> what can I say? But uh I'm simply saying there are things we take for granted. There are things that we're not even aware of. In our repentance, things have to boil out. Bad habits, bad thoughts, going in bad directions. And believe me when I tell you, believe the Bible when it tells you, in my flesh dwells no good thing. And there are things that are uh, latent or dormant or not being used that want to come back to life. And that's why we've got to stay safe. We've got to stay safe. We've got to work on this thing. We've got to stay safe. Oh, yes, we do. Because that flesh wants to come alive. And that flesh wants to get active again. You ever read in the Bible said mortify the deeds of the flesh? Mortify means to render it useless, to die to it. To cause it to be dead, okay? So, I don't want to go that way. I don't want to do those things. I want to fight that off, okay? Oh, friend, there are people that have been delivered from alcohol, but don't think that if they if they mess around and they start missing church and they and they stop praying and they stop coming back and worshiping Him and saying thank you to Him. That, that, that old devil of alcohol is going to come right on back, and he's going to bring seven more more wicked spirits. That's what your Bible says. And bring them back. going to come back in force. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He wants back in. He wants back in your life. He wants back in your house. Yeah. He wants to get in there where he can get Get you fighting and fussing and arguing. Yeah. Get bad tempers going. Yeah. He wants to disrupt the household. You don't like a holy, the devil doesn't like a holy ghost house. He doesn't like peace. He doesn't like the peace of God. You ever read your Bible? It said that war broke out in heaven. <laughs> As because of the devil, Lucifer. He caused war to break out in heaven. Now, if he can get war going on in heaven, what do you think he can do in your house? Hmm? Well, you got to be on guard. you got to listen to the watchman that's warning you. Because. I'm quoting to you from the Word of God that Paul being miraculously and Silas being miraculously shaken out of the prison. The jailer is so upset because the jailer knows this is it. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't just we're going to fire you and you're going to lose your benefits. No, if you lost your prisoner, you lost your life. <laughs> that's what took place. So it was more than losing your livelihood, you lost your life. They would execute you. And boy, he was, that jailer was scared to death. And Paul screamed out and said, do thyself no harm, because God was going to kill himself. He said, I might as well just do myself in," because they're going, they're going to do it anyway. Imagine the desperation. He had a family. And yet he he was so depressed in the situation. People suffer great bouts of depression. And and darkness comes into their minds, their hearts. And they have no hope. They say, maybe it was Brother Kennedy that said at the rally that he had read that hopelessness is like the worst or one of the worst feelings that a person can experience. Hopelessness. The Bible talked about being in this world without God and without hope. It's a bad situation to be in. And that's what we were all born into. But now we get a chance to be born again. And that's what Paul said to the man. Do thyself no harm. We're all here. We're not running away. And the man Turned up the light, and just came worshiping bowing down, knew he was a sinful man. What must I do to be saved? Well, those are words we like to hear people ask. And we're ready to tell them. We're ready to tell them, even as we were told. And so to get his attention, he told them, if you'll believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he went on to explain how. To believe. How to believe. And explaining that, he told him it, it'll save you and it will also save your house. This can this can reach out to and give the opportunity. You know the Bible even said if you have let's say you had a husband and a wife and and two children or three children and that the one of the, either the husband or the wife, one of them did not get this salvation or wasn't living for God, but the other one was that that spouse that was living for God, that was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost and going to church and worshiping God and thanking God in spite of all the difference and the battles and the what else going on? Said that that provides an environment in that home, among that family. Said else were your children unclean, but now are they holy? That there's an environment that can come in to that among that family, among that house, that that brings order and even to the point of sanctification to those children. How important it is to realize as Noah, by faith, Noah, by faith, Noah was warned of things that have not seen us yet. Nobody had ever seen what what God was telling Noah about and what God has given to us in his word. Nobody has seen that. Hasn't happened yet. and uh, But we believe it. And so we want to join hands in a common faith with Noah, who by faith moved with fear. When we say fear, we're talking about godly res- reverence and respect for God, for his word. We, for God and for his word. We want to show A godliness, a respect, a reverence for the things of God, for the Word of God. And so Noah, he was moved, he was inspired, he was carried along. He was motivated to prepare an ark, to prepare in the church. What would save? What would save his house? You've got a. We've all got a a job to do here. A responsibility. Our families. Yes, they should be important to us. I don't want to. Uh, I don't. Want, as as the family, you know, you go extended family. You get outside of uh the husband, the wife and the children. And you and and then people have brothers or sisters or something of that nature and you know, aunts and uncles and cousins and double first cousins and all that kind of stuff. You know. But you've got to be cautious. You be a light. If you want them to be saved, then that means you want to live that much more dedicated to God. You want your light to so shine. You want to be able to set forth an example so that everybody can see. As it is written and was of one individual, said all the city. But well, before we get that kind of reach, how about all the family doth know that you're virtuous. That you have a moral excellence. That you're not going to get involved with what you used to be involved with. You're not going to run to the things you used to run to. You're not going to run with the people you used to run with. The crowds and where the crowds were going. That that's not what your life is anymore. That you don't belong sitting where they sit. Doing what they're doing. Being a part of what they're a part of. You're going to do what Joshua said. You're going to serve the Lord. You're going to serve Him. You're going to serve Him. As for me and my house, He said. Well, you know, the book of Acts, where we read chapter 16, the Bible said here very plainly, verse 32, And they spake unto him, the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. They had beaten Paul and Silas. And so here's this guy and his wife and kids, and they're, they're ministering to the preachers that had been whipped and beaten. And then the Bible said they were baptized, he and all his, immediately. And when he had brought them into his physical house. He set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all of his family. Everybody said, praise the Lord. All right. So it's important. Now, I want to conclude by saying in the next chapter of the book of Acts 17 and 5, when they brought the word of the Lord to a certain area and they proved that Jesus was the Christ, they proved how to be saved, The Bible said there was opposition who believed not. And they, in not believing, they moved with envy. So you you might want to think about what's motivating you to do what you're doing. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I involved with, why am I getting involved with what I'm getting involved with? Why am I doing that? It was very crystal clear that by faith, That's what was moving Noah. Faith in God's word. Faith in God's work. That's what's motivating me. That's what's moving me. You know, the Bible said we got this word because holy men of old were moved by the Holy Ghost. And they begin to put it to pen. They begin to speak. And that's how we got this chapter and verse that we've gotten. Okay. So you want to you want to check. You want to pay attention. You want to let the Spirit of the Lord deal with you. Keep checking. Keep checking. What's moving me? What's motivating me? Why do I want to do this? Why do I want to get involved with this? Why do I want to go in this direction? I've got a house to save. I've got family. And then beyond that, extend it out. We've got a whole tri-city area, a county, a state, a nation, a world of people who are chasing after every kind of thing. I don't want to be a part of what they're chasing. I want to help them to chase the right thing. Help them to chase after the Lord. Find the Lord. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Let's stand together. Noah was moved by faith. And you know what? Don't forget that it said, by faith, Noah being warned of God. heed the warning. Listen to the watchman on the wall. Listen to the word of God. You know, The Holy Ghost doesn't send things through the preacher to be at odds with you. I told you about the the preacher that was passing by the the lake, and he saw that his son was out there, and he realized his son wasn't swimming and having a good time. His son was drowning. And he jumped in the water, clothes, shoes, everything. Didn't have time to even take his shoes off. Swam out there to his son and went there to save his son. Went there to pull him out of the water and bring him to safety. Only his son completely misinterpreted everything. I'm sure that his mind was in a great agitated state that he wasn't thinking clearly. The wrong things were moving him. They were moving him to destruction. And this father, in trying to save his son, the the moment became so extreme that the father was actually beginning to drown himself. So they were both drowning until the The boy just refused to be saved. He just refused to be helped. He just, for whatever reason, until the father had to let him go and barely made it back to shore himself. So the enemy would like to convince you that you're at odds with the pulpit, and that's a deception. That's the wrong attitude. This guy, this jailer, he was—he listened to the preacher. He was headed for certain death, and he was hurting. He was about to hurt himself, and Paul was telling him, "Don't hurt yourself. I'm fighting for you. I'm not fighting against you. I'm fighting for you." I'm trying to get your attention. I'm trying to get you back to your senses. What they say about your senses? They, they. Uh, I took leave of my senses, or my kind of like my get up and go. Got up and went. Well, sometimes my good sense gets up and leaves too. And it goes right along with it. And uh, you need to have the right attitude, the right view. I've seen people that God saved and God delivered and God changed their lives for the good and blessed them tremendously. I have a family right in mind, right now. God knows we love those people. And they they disobeyed. They didn't listen. They didn't take what what they were told to heart. And they let extended family influence them and others. And so the same preacher, wah, the same words, the Bible, That they had believed and had brought them to salvation. Now. Same preacher, same words. Same good spirit of God and environment here. Now Now they called it pulpit bashing. Now their outlook and their opinions had become soured and negative. Everything that had been salvation to them was suddenly The opposite. Oh, yeah. Do thyself no harm. We're here to save you. We're here to help you. We're here to pull you out of the fire. We're here to get you in the church where you can be solid and productive. Everybody said amen. Amen. Let's give God a big hand. Come on. All right, Yellow!